Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. As I mentioned earlier, over the last couple of weeks, we've seen two stories related to LGBT issues in America. And uh, it's telling uh, to see how these issues were dealt with uh, by the press. And so I've asked Terry Mattingly, editor of Get Religion and who writes the nationally syndicated on religion column, for the Universal Syndicate to join us. He's also a senior fellow at the Overby Center at the University of Mississippi, where he focuses on religion, news, and the First Amendment. And you can stay abreast of his work by going to getreligion.org and tmatt.net. Terry, good to have you back here. Thanks. Glad to be here. Well, let's talk about... uh, Let's talk about the interview with Nicole Winfield of the Associated Press and her handle, or how Pope Francis's comments were handled by the, by the media generally. Well, I mean, I've written two articles about that at this point, and frankly, I thought it was a very important interview. There were many topics discussed, right. but you could guess which one was immediately going to be pulled <laughs> out. Yep into headlines and that's because it it pushed the lgbtq button and it was a perfectly valid story angle there are nations around the world some of which with major catholic populations that have criminal laws on homosexual behavior that you know americans would consider highly offensive Mm -hmm. and and you know that we can't defend them at the same time of course and i'm sure the pope knows this In many cases, we have Catholics and Anglicans and Pentecostal Christians and others living in nations to where if they compromise on these issues, the way, say, let's say Canterbury releases a a more liberalized statement on gay marriage. Well, if you're in Nigeria, Anglicans are immediately going to hear some parts of the Islamic community use that against them. Yeah. Yeah. Saying, well, you know, Canterbury said this, so that means the Anglican church down there on the street corner believes that too. And maybe we should go bomb it. I mean, so you've got the church in in some parts of the world where it's very dangerous to talk about these topics. So I wasn't surprised that that was pulled out for the story. However, they perfectly buried way down in the body comments by the Pope that I knew were immediately going to leap up in Catholic media and would probably end up being the part of the interview that would be discussed the most. And that's where he made the, drew the distinction between a crime and a sin. Right. Uh, it's not a crime, but it is a sin, he said. Fine, but first let's distinguish between a sin and a crime. He says it's also a sin to lack charity with one another. But then, in effect, what we have here is another case where the Pope articulates words that support the Catholic doctrine. Right. But the headline points the reader off in a completely different direction. Yes, yes. In this case, I haven't written about this yet, and I I hope to soon. Then you have one of his newly minted cardinals, Cardinal McElroy, publishing Mm. an article in America Magazine, which really seems to call the catechism directly into question. Oh, I, I don't think there's. <laughs> I don't think there's any doubt. I've gone over that article. I've well. I think. L- let he... me say the best you can say about it. The the best you can say about that article is that he takes a kind of an Anglican approach. 
which is that, well, these are the words we affirm, but that doesn't mean in our pastoral life and care we need to actually defend them. Yeah. Is yeah. That, you think that's an accurate way? No, I think that's fine. That's sort of what he's doing? I, 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 that's what he's doing, but I think he's actually there's something else going on here, which is this call for uh, discernment and asking us to listen to the Holy Spirit and have a radical yes. inclusion, which which everybody knows is code for uh, dropping uh, moral and spiritual objections to homosexuality. And uh, yeah. this is going to be a big issue uh, over the next uh, two years, at least. And there's something a little deceptive, too, about urging us to follow the Spirit, discern the Spirit, when, in fact, he isn't listening to what the Spirit has already said in the Catechism well, and in the teaching of the Church. Well, it, it, Chesterton called tradition allowing you know, the, allowing the saints the right to vote. Yeah. And we seem to have a more modern definition of that in many cases. And let's be honest here. He's applying the Catholic concept of evolution of doctrine to this. Yeah. And he's gently sort of saying, at what point should our doctrine evolve? And, and the fact that he suggests that this would be possible on the ordination of women something that a lot of Protestants would affirm and a lot would not would deny. Right. But I think St. Pope John Paul II came about as close <laughs> you, as you can conceivably get yeah. to using papal infallibility yeah, I on agree. that topic. And yet it seems that here we have, if I can lapse into Catholic politics for a moment, we have a man from a relatively small American city who has just been granted a red hat as a cardinal mm -hmm. over the cardinal of the largest diocese in the entire United States <laughs> up the highway in yep. Los Angeles. Yep. Yep. So you would have to say we have another opportunity for the press to speculate on the Pope's words versus his actions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's a that that is the topic that I hear my Roman Catholic friends talking about the most. Yeah. No, it's 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 uh, it's disturbing, uh, and again, this ties in, of course, to the with the German bishops and their synod and their synodality business. Yeah. And so, yeah, we're it's 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 this is going to be interesting, um, and we'll have to see how it plays out. Uh, let me let me. I don't want I don't want to <laughs> overlook though uh, the 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 issue of scare quotes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Tell us, what that's are scare quotes? <laughs> okay, that's how I linked the the Pope's argument in my second article to this the situation that's happening in the National Hockey League right now, where you had a, almost the, in New York, they all but canceled Pride Night after what happened before with the Russian Orthodox player you know, in Philadelphia. And there was a fascinating Reuters report with the headline that said Rangers back right to, and then inside quote, back right to beliefs <laughs> after Pride Night Jersey's absence from warm-up. Now, I, in other words, if you look up in the dictionary, you, for scare quotes, a common definition, this is the Merriam-Webster, 
quotation marks used to express especially skepticism or derision concerning the use of the enclosed word or phrase. In other words, the headline writer, now this was not repeated in the story, the headline writer is saying, we're not sure these people actually have these beliefs, or we're not sure that their beliefs are either valid or or real. Mm -hmm. And so I paired that with the Pope from the simple point of view that whatever one thinks of Pope Francis and, and what's going on in Catholicism right now, I don't think there's any question that the most ancient forms of Christianity in the world today, the communions of East and West, right. both have articulated beliefs on topics related to marriage and sexuality. Right. And mm. you, you, they, they exist. They've been there for 2,000 years, and millions of people believe them to one degree or another while struggling perhaps to, to live by all of them, which the Pope Francis you know, addressed in the AP mm-hmm. interview. And then in a follow-up, you know, in a letter to Father James Martin and to the Catholic left on this topic. Yep. So I don't think there's any question that these beliefs exist. And I thought this was a intriguing use of scare quotes to suggest that people who have trouble with Pride Night or with things celebrated by Pride Night or pointing back to this Russian Orthodox believer, this kind of veiled implication these people don't actually have real beliefs. They're just scare quote yeah. beliefs. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I thought that was an interesting brand of skepticism. Yeah, the beliefs being used as, uh, you know, an excuse for bigotry. Uh, the quote, the scare quote uh, is dismissive. It's beliefs is in quotes, and so you're not supposed to take it at face value. Um, yeah, this is this goes on all the time. Uh and uh, this it affects all uh, Christians who hold to the uh, the moral tradition shared by the Orthodox, Catholic, and the various uh, Protestant groups stemming from the 16th century. Uh, what, what do you think this on this question of homosexuality in the Church? Will, do you anticipate it ever being reported accurately? In other words, hmm. where they finally begin to say that we are simply at loggerheads here. We have a significant number of American citizens who are members of the Catholic faith and a significant number of Americans who are in communion with the Orthodox Church and quite a few evangelicals, and there's no indication that they're going to be changing their beliefs. We're just going to have to live with this, that there are those people who oppose the LGBTQ agenda, and they do so for what are longstanding traditional moral reasons, and we just are going to have to respect that. Do you anticipate the journalistic mainstream coming to that position? Well, at the the very least— you have to raise questions about whether you want to accurately report the views of people on both sides of that issue. Right. Um, I mean, it's one thing to accurately report what the Episcopal Church has said on this issue in America, yeah. but it's wrong to imply that that's world Anglicanism. That's right. Because the, the majority of Anglicans in the world 
are of either evangelical or Anglo-Catholic perspective, especially in Asia and Africa, and hold traditional beliefs. So you have a journalism issue here about whether you're going to accurately report the voices of people involved in this debate, and to some degree whether you're going to show respect for their beliefs. Yeah. yeah and implying that, that it's important that we report accurately on them. Then you get into this another issue, which is, does the First Amendment still apply to these people? And that, of course, brings us back to the U.S. Supreme Court and back to a decision that's currently pending on uh, coercion of speech, the 303 creative piece, which um, the liberal rights, uh, the human rights, the First Amendment specialist David French, who's in the process of moving to the op-ed page of The New York Times from the conservative publication he founded, The Dispatch, mm -hmm. French has said that potentially 303 creative is the most important church-state case, not only just of this term, oh. but, you know, this could be the capstone court opinion that may or may not settle whether the First Amendment still applies to people with diverse religious beliefs on this, to on this topic. But we'll have you back to pour over that uh, decision, too. Uh, Terry, thanks once again for joining me. Very good. Glad to talk to you. Thanks very much. Terry Mattingly will have uh, contact information for him. You can follow his work there. Uh, his writing always astute. I'm Al Cresta.